chemistry in a long-term relationship is totally accessible. There's nothing wrong with your body. And when you put your two bodies together, minus all of that mind stuff that can go on, they work properly. So the name of the game is having time and space and practices to do to keep the chemistry rolling. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Over the past 25 years, Alicia and Erwan Devon have successfully taught over 12,000 singles and couples how to have exceptional relationships. They have become the go-to experts for those seeking a higher level of relationship support. Erwan is the founder, senior teacher, and president of San Francisco-based Erwan Devon Teachings. Together with Alicia, his wife, they specialize in supporting singles and getting into passionate and successful relationships and helping couples take their relationship to new heights of romance and intimacy. If it's not obvious already, I'm obsessed with all of what they are about. It's partly why this show exists. Today's combo is between Alicia and I, and we dig into women getting more of what they want in their relationships or their future relationships and how men can figure out what to give them. We also dig into the various stages of a relationship along with tools to navigate each stage with intention and grace. I'm really into this show, y'all. I loved the way Alicia tells her story and how she gives big picture guidance that everyone can take nuggets from and implement into their lives right away. I know y'all will enjoy listening as much as I enjoyed recording. All right, fam, we've talked about how to cultivate and create and collaborate on the best sex of your life going into 2022. This conversation is going to be how to cultivate the best relationship going into the new year, really leveraging the newness the freshness of the start of a new year. And like I've said it before, of course, there's really no difference really in January 1st versus June 1st versus December 1st. But for some reason, the collective energy is fresh. And let's take a look at life. Let's take stock of what happened this past year. What did we like? What didn't we like? What we like to shift? What we'd like to change and transform? What are we leaving behind? What are we planting seeds of for new? And While we've had a conversation about how to have conversations around sex specifically, and even cult and and even just bringing new things into sex specifically, this, like I mentioned, is going to be a conversation about how to look at the health of a relationship. And that's whether you're in a relationship right now, maybe you've been in one for a few years or you're in a long-term relationship, or This is the year that you want to date in a bit of a different way and you want to really call in the relationship that's going to serve you the best. And that's maybe not necessarily going to be a person that you're going to be in a long-term relationship with, but the best person for you right now. How do you look at this fresh new year ahead and have a relationship life, which may include one or many people? How do you look at it and just go, I'm going to set myself up for success, And that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be pushing up roses through the whole process. It could be kind of crunchy at times. I mean, that is life. But how do you do it from an empowered place where you're like, fuck yeah, I'm excited to do relationships in 2022. So to have this conversation, I'm really excited to bring Alicia into the mix. And in the intro, you heard a little bit about her and the work that she does with her partner. And we're going to dig into relationships today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. 
and thank you for joining us. Uh, so I, like I mentioned before I hit record, this is my favorite subject ever. Go figure. It's the work that I do, of course, in sex specifically, but then with my husband, which again, I don't know if that will ever stop being weird to say. We just got married in October. So it still feels Congratulations. So, thank you. It still feels so new that every time I say husband, I'm just like, I never thought I would have one of those. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, and that's a lot of the work that that we do is relationship specifically. So we geek out for sure. And what I'm I am definitely a student in in this regard, even though I do teach. And so I'm excited to have this conversation because I'm like, what can I bring into our relationship in learning from someone else who is deeply immersed in this world? So to kick us off, I would love just a little bit of the backstory of how you got into doing the work that you are doing now. And then we'll, we'll be off to the races and um, dissecting and looking at relationships into this new year. Sure. So I would say that, um, my very, very deep involvement in this work of having thriving relationships and sex lives came from a combination of really following my gut and my desire and also luck. And I'll explain what I mean, which is that I studied psychology from even in high school, my one little random psychology class I was obsessed with. I went to college, I got into therapy myself, and then started studying psychology, like everything I could get my hands on about how people work. And then I went to grad school for the same thing. Now, the cool thing about getting a master's degree in psychology is that everything that you study is about yourself. So I was in heaven, you know, every topic you have to apply to yourself and write a paper on it or give a speech on it or something. And so I was finding myself as I went through my psychology program, becoming more and more obsessed with everything related to sexuality and female sexuality and psychology and how it all worked together. And there wasn't very much going on about that in my program. There was one human sexuality class. And I remember being holed up in the little library on this little campus of the school that I was going to trying to consume stuff about myself, really, and my sex life and desire and everything. And I was not really finding much. And then my friend in my program was like, Alicia, I met this guy. His name's Erwan. He teaches this course called the pleasure course. And there's this sensual technique he teaches people called extended orgasm. And like, he's really cool. And I think that you just need to meet him. And I'm like, take me to this guy right now. You know, I was in another relationship at the time. So I didn't actually know at that time it was going to turn romantic with Erwan. But I still remember the first day that my friend Shana took me over to Erwan's. He was teaching this communication game night at his house. And I walked in and as I crossed the threshold of his apartment, I was like coming on to ecstasy. It was like, ah, and like nobody there was on drugs that I know of. It was like that connection, you know, that natural high of connection and people going around the circle and sharing things about their sex life and playing these fun communication games. I'm like, dude, I found my people. This is amazing. So long story short, I end up dating Erwan, who then was totally rocking my world and always sexually and intimately everything. And I'm like, okay, you have to let me visit this pleasure course that you teach. Like, what is this? And so I visited and it was at that course that I realized that I wanted to join his organization that he had founded 10 years before we had met. So 
I finished my master's, but like was training to be a therapist, but it wasn't quite lighting me up. And I found something that did. So that's how I got involved with all of this. And then for the last 20 years, he and I have been building the organization together. So amazing. And inquiring minds want to know, what's the pleasure course about? The pleasure course is, it's our foundational course. We teach a bunch of other classes and programs now that are actually probably more popular than the pleasure course at this point, but it's the five keys to successful relationships. So we dive really deeply into the five parts of our method that we use to train our students and how to have thriving romantic relationships, which we can get more into what those steps are now or whenever you want, but that's what the course is. It's training in that. Okay, cool. Because I'm like in your story, I'm in the library, I'm meeting your friend in my mind. I'm like, oh, she's taking me on this little journey. And here I am. And she walks in his apartment. And then eventually you go into this pleasure course. I'm like, well, what did he do? What was over there? What did did you experience? I mean, I don't know if it's the same now as it was then. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, the spirit of it is definitely the same. And so I experienced some pretty wild things in that course. Now, these days, the pleasure course takes place online. We changed it a couple of years ago, which is really great. And back then it was sort of wild days. You know, this is about 25 years ago. So the course covered things like meditation and making contact with our deepest self and dealing with our unconscious psychological patterns around romance and relationship. And then the second day was all about masculine feminine dynamics and how to have chemistry. And I still remember this moment in the course where Erwan said this thing, he goes, He's like, here's the thing you got to know, guys, about women. She wants the lobster, but she orders the chicken. You have to know she wants the lobster and give her the lobster. (laughs) It's like, that's so true. You know, we just tend to order short as women and we have these huge desires. And because of all of our conditioning and whatever, we tend to not ask for all of what we want, or maybe not even know ourselves, all of what we want. And then part of understanding women as men is to know we are ravenous. (laughs) We want so much and our access to be able to say that, or even know that sometimes can be limited and men can really be helpful to women in that way by over delivering on our desires. And it was just like, you know, these explosions (laughs) were going off in my mind. And then on the third day, we go into sex and this sensual technique that we teach together called extended orgasm. But I saw it demonstrated in this pleasure course that I was visiting. It's a clitoral stroking technique. That completely blew my mind to see a woman so completely in her body, surrendered, feeling so much. It was, you know, like I talk about coming onto drugs, like it felt like that, but purely natural. So those are the types of things I experienced in the pleasure course. And it was just a huge, yes, this is what I want to devote my life to. Oh my goodness. What did it look like early on in the devoting your life to this? Well, I basically, I remember, um, the day after the pleasure course, I was like, I was about to start that part of being a therapist, which I don't know if you know this or not, but there's so much training that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And you have to spend like a bazillion hours in internship mode, mm-hmm. right? So I was about to start that. And then I visited the pleasure course. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I don't think I want to do that. And so I remember walking into my advisor's office. His name was, his name was Ray Greenleaf. And he was like this 
used to be a drummer in the seventies, like the super cool dude. And he was now like the chair of this transpersonal psychology program I was in. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't know if I want to be a therapist. I think I found something else I want to do. And he's like, Alicia, you need to do what serves your soul. And he put his hands in prayer position. And I'm like, okay, then, then I'm going to, I'm going to not get my, I got my master's, but I, it was in a different psychology program in the, in the school. I'm like, I'm not going to be a therapist. I felt so free. And then I immediately started volunteering and assisting at all of Erwan's courses. I just wanted to be there. I didn't care about getting paid or whatever. So that's how it started is I started apprenticing. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of funny because it was at the same time that he and I were actually like developing our relationship. So that was an interesting dynamic. And I was learning from him as well as developing a relationship. Uh, and what what do you think that he would say? Like if I were to ask him that same question, you know, what, what do you think that he would say? And like you joining forces and all of that. Uh-huh. And the question being, what's the question? Um, so like the, the early stages of you then devoting your life, I, I'm just like curious how he viewed that through his lies, which I'm sure you've heard him say many times. Yeah. Well, it was funny because we started out dating, you know, so I was never a student or anything. I was like his girlfriend. And I think he was, I think he would say this, that he was kind of blown away because I was just such a yes. I was so willing to, you know, I was being responsible. I finished my master's. I didn't sort of, I don't know, abandon it because I knew I really wanted to have that. But he was like, given this opportunity to just kind of give what he knew and include me and train and teach and everything. I mean, he, I think we both really devoted ourselves in that. It's a lot to train someone all in all of that kind of stuff and trust them. So I think he would probably say he was a little blown away. And then I say he was super generous. Mm, that's really sweet. I love that so much. Um, and I can feel in like your storytelling, like, oh, this was such a cool experience, you know, that you get to tell this story over and over again. You know, I, I go to tell my story about how Jordan and I came to be. And every time I watch the people listening, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is kind of a cool story. Yeah. You know, and I get to like be in it all the time. Like, how cool that I'm going to get to say this story over and over and over and over again until like the end of time, basically. Yes. It's outside of the box. You know, it's like outside of whatever script was set out. For sure. And speaking of script, um, what was what I mean, I know that you you were going into psychology and so you were already cracking open like different ways of thinking and believing and maybe on some level gaining more information just about how people tick, how you operate, all that. So um, more awareness around like humans connecting how they do their human thing. I'm curious about the scripts and the messaging that you got before you decided to go down that road and what formed your way of understanding? Because you said you went to this pleasure course and mine was blown on so many levels. Why would you say your mind was blown? That's usually attached to, you know, whatever a person grew up with learning. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I was really lucky in that I grew up in a really great environment in that it was super stable. My parents are amazing. I have a great relationship with them. I think they did a great job. Um, and it was 
it was sort of a bubble, you know, I was very, um, sheltered and protected. And I grew up in this, um, suburb of Los Angeles that was pretty affluent and everything was just kind of provided. And, you know, it was a very comfortable upbringing. And of course I had issues like any other kid, you know, in junior high and high school and stuff, um, heartbreak and friend issues and things like that. But I was sort of like, okay, in this sheltered, this is just the way life is. It's going to be very even keeled and stable. And I didn't face a lot of huge challenges growing up. And well, thank God for that, because lots of people faced challenges when they were growing up that they have to spend a lot of time after that recovering from, Erwan being one of them. And on the other hand, though, when I went to college, I was on my own. And it was hard. I didn't really expect the loneliness and not really knowing how to make friends because they had always been sort of provided to me by my situation, school. And I was kind of anxious and depressed and having a hard time. And so that was where the transition happened. I remember talking to my mom on the phone and just being like, I don't, you know, I don't feel good. I don't know what to do. And she found me this therapist. And so that was my entry point into, okay, like there's there's something else to learn. There's some other way life can go. And then that led me into going to these, um, these workshops led by this magical woman. And she would, you know, have us all go in sweat lodges and howling at the moon and floating each other in these hot tubs and like learning about women and our bodies and our connection to spirit. And like, I'm like, okay, there's something way outside of, you know, a white picket fence existence. And I would like to explore that. So it was, again, it was what I said in the beginning. I sort of just was led by what needed to happen next. And, you know, that was way before I met Erwan, but there was just this sense, like there's something more here. I really, really like hearing when people say I had a great, I had a great upbringing and I had stability and my parents did a great job because my partner and I are, are looking to start our family soon. And I'm like, I'm putting so much deliberate intention into this. Can I know that I'm going to, I'm going to fuck up. I know it in my own way, but like, I'm really trying to deliver the things, you know, I'm not trying to overcompensate for the way, you know, my family didn't do the, that great of a job, but I'm, I'm like trying to find it in the middle. And so it, it's really reassuring. Cause I'm like, I think I'm going to provide that thing for the first time in my lineage and maybe ever, <laughs> I think I'm going to provide that like stability and like all this stuff. So it, I really love it. I have one of my best friends now that's like, yeah, my parents did a great job. I'm like, what? <laughs> and <laughs> what the rest, mean? <laughs> the rest of us are like falling apart because we continuously play out these patterns of like codependency. I mean, I mean, it shows up in its own way, you know, even in the stable relationships or, or whatever the language is that, that, you know, someone wants to use, but yeah, it's like, Oh, but like a parent didn't ignore you or leave or, you know, how does that show up? But, um, I'm curious, did, did your, did your parents talk to you about sex and relationships and like how they were able to make this work? <laughs> well, no, that's the thing is it's funny. They, they were pretty conventional. They are, but they're, they're super open-minded. Like for example, there were some funny situations. I got the, how babies were made book. That's all I remember about being told about sex is that like pink and blue book. And like, I remember the pictures in it. It was like handed to me, you know, no conversation. And 
when I got my period, it was sort of similar. Like there wasn't this, oh my God, this you're a woman now, yay, or some kind of ideal situation that a mom could could provide, which most moms didn't, and that's okay. But I kind of like got the supplies. <laughs> and so there was a little weirdness. But then at the same time, when I would have boyfriends, you know, date guys in high school, they were really hands-off and cool. You know, they were fine. We closed the door. They even spent the night sometimes, whatever. They just weren't uptight. And that sent a particular message. So there wasn't conversation. And the other thing I'll say that was really nice, and this is something maybe for any men that are listening or whatever, but there's... Our psychology as women around our sexuality is sort of delicate as we're growing up. And there's certain ages where we're developing and how we are related to plays a big role in our sense of our sexuality. So I'll give you an example, right? Like when we're little girls and we start to know that we're little girls, maybe at age four or five, the way that our father or men in our life respond to that makes all the difference. Some fathers will kind of ignore or like the, you know, the little girl starts to go through puberty and they're like, Oh my God, this is so awkward. I'm avoiding your womanness on the other end of the spectrum. Unfortunately it gets exploited sometimes. Um, but the nice middle ground of like, there's my little girl or like, Oh, you look so beautiful or you're, you know, this kind of thing. It's not that beautiful is the only thing you would say to a little girl, but you want to celebrate her little girlness, her femininity in an appropriate way. And my dad did that. He just had that sense. So that's another thing that contributed to my attitude around sex. So good. Okay. A whole so, other topic, but yeah, I wanted to bring it in. And, yeah. yeah, I love it. And, and and I mean, I it's it's funny that I'm curious about some of these things because just a year ago, like maybe when I started the show or the year before, asking questions about like the upbringing and the parenting part of it was just not, you know, and my listeners are getting a nice little taste of this, of like my, it is a personal brand, but I do have a company of people who have their own stories and, and they're doing the work with me as well. But like for me specifically, they're getting to watch this transition of like how I even interview and how I show up in my work is my, is it's like going right along with my journey. Yes. So, yes. And one thing I'll say about the parenting thing, we have a five-year-old and it's definitely a blessing. Just the awareness that you have that we can impact their lives so much is really good. And then sometimes it's almost like we know too much because I'm like, how is this affecting him? Is he okay? And, you know, he like, he's fine. And they all get fucked up. <laughs> right. But, right. you know, our awareness is very, it's oh very, my gosh. there's so many times where like I do a thing and I'm like, that's something a kid would go to therapy for later, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, Oh, right. as long as I know that about myself. <laughs> yes. into the future. Hello, love bugs. Brinsky here. And I'm here to talk to you about codependency. (laughs) Now, some of you know that I ended a 10-year relationship to break my codependency and to really heal my limiting beliefs and the way that I was operating in my marriage. But I'm here to talk to you about a different codependency. This is my codependency with coffee and how that relationship has just gotten a little out of hand lately, where I was getting up to two lattes a day. Not only is it fucking expensive, um, it's not good for my hormones, my health, my anxiety. And I watched Lex try it and love it. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to make the switch too. 
I've made the switch and y'all, I absolutely love it. Everyday Dose is an incredible coffee alternative. It has got one third of the caffeine of coffee, but it's loaded with all of these incredible ingredients like mushrooms and collagen and nootropics. And just by switching from coffee to Everyday Dose, I have noticed such an increase in my mood. I feel happier, less anxious. My energy is way more stable. I'm not having those crazy afternoon crashes. And I'm also not codependent on this beverage that I have to have in the morning or else I can't function because I hated that. I hated being so reliant on something. And so um, I'm so grateful that I made that switch. And if you were looking to break your codependency too, then I invite you to check it out, to try it. When you use the code that sex chick, you get 20% off an already discounted starter kit, which takes it up to, I think, 65% off your first order, which makes it so freaking affordable, y'all. Um, there's literally no risk to try it. And if you decide that you don't like it, they literally give you your money back. But I love Everyday Dose. I imagine you will too. And so I encourage you to give it a try. Let us know how you like it and break that codependency once and for all. Now back to today's show. I would love to bring you back to just the the idea of, I think for you, what I'm gathering is like you wind up getting, you know, moving through your life and then going and meeting this like person that you're just like kind of awestruck by in this situation and then like life shifts. And I like your, your greenly fella telling you, you got to do what your soul says, you know, I mean, at least you were able to hear that and go, Oh, my soul, yeah. my soul's over here. You know, cause at that stage, I mean, I don't know, five, six years ago, maybe like, maybe more like six or seven years ago, if I would have heard that, I'd been like, yeah, I don't even know what that means. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even, like, I can't even like hear what you're saying. Now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're right. You're so right. What does my soul want? You know, I guess I have access to that, but, um, eventually it, it's led you, you know, into these workshops and you're talking about, you know, your experience with all of that. And, and then I imagine, you know, like you had your own experience and then you started to be the, the, the witness to it seeing other people really go through these incredible experiences and like kind of wake up to their desires and what they wanted and have their minds blown. And so I'm really curious what that was like, as far as watching other people do that. And then this idea of like, you know, women come into these containers and I'm not sure if it was, you know, all types of people, or if it was specifically women that you you know were originally working with, but then having them like claim new things that they want in their life. Like, how do they figure that out? How does that like whole process go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm having a, it's like a flashback. There was this, you know, cause I started assisting in all of Erwan's classes with him, you know, and he just to you know, witness the teaching to learn, to learn how to do it. And every single time we would be with a group of people, I noticed, um, you know, the women, most of the women in the class, they're all co-ed singles and couples, you know, would have a lot of similar goals and issues, you know, similar to me. Um, you know, I don't, I want to know what turns me on. I want to know how to, you know, be more attractive in relationship. I want to know how to, um, get what I want and communicate what I want. And every time I would just watch these women throughout the course. And on the last day, they would be like glowing and so in touch with themselves and so beautiful. And they were all beautiful when they walked in but there was a type, there was like the real beauty, all of it was coming out. And I was so moved by that, that I, so I was still finishing my master's as I was doing all of this. 
I wrote my master's thesis on what the true source of attractiveness is in a woman because I was seeing it happen, you know, uh, through every course. And so I started studying it and reading about it and then using everything I was learning in the courses too. So I'll just say what I found. So everybody knows what it is because <laughs> we all, we care, you know, I mean, we care as, as women usually were wired to really care about our attractiveness. And I don't necessarily just mean our physical attractiveness, but that's part of it, of course. It's more like um, our ability to attract what we want Mm -hmm. to ourselves. It's the same way that, and this is me generalizing here, that many men, most men have that relationship to feeling successful, whatever that means. So our attractiveness, right? So the two elements, the first element and the most important one is that we are in touch with our, use the word soul, our spirit, our deeper self, whatever that is, there's a million words. Some people have a religious-ish word for it. Others of us have new agey words for it, whatever, but that you're like, okay, I know who I am, truly. That kind of connection really brings out our glow, our presence, our attractiveness. And then you add in the second element, which is our connection to our sensual, sexual self, like really cultivating that. You put those two together, it's deadly in a good way. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are, how big you are, how small you are, what color you are. That's the essence of it. Feels so good. I feel super validated, Yeah, (laughs) you know, where I'm like, oh, that's what it is. I mean, the word for me that came up when you were saying attractive is like magnetism, like the ability to to call in, whether that's manifest magnetism, right? There's all kinds of different words for that too. I'm like it, the ability to attract the things that you want and also like holding a boundary of like, if, if there's some things that, then that also means what you don't knowing in a sense, like who you are not and holding yeah. a boundary of like, why well, I'm not that. Like, of course, with, I think some ability to be flexible at times, like I know who I am and like, but my human experience is coming and going and I'm learning. Yes. You know, but like to the core of me, I've got me and I know who she is. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So how can a, let's just go with woman for now, since we're talking about ladies. Um, how can a woman really discover what they want? Like after they, like, let's say they get in touch with the deeper self, let's say they, they start scratching the surface or like they're going in deep for the sensuality and the sexuality and getting connected to that part of them, like how do they then determine what kind of relationship that they want? That's a really good question because this, at this point in time in 2021, there are many kinds of relationships, right? It's not just you're completely single or you're married and you have kids and whatever, you know, there's so many different kinds of relationships. And I always really like to encourage women to go towards what they're drawn to. Like there's a lot of conditioning about what what we should want or how we should even be these days in terms of what is femininity or you know what it, men and women are both kind of in a bind. This is a tangent, but we're kind of in a bind of like okay, women are now supposed to be like only, you know, strong and independent and like tough. But like what if we do want to just surrender and sometimes be told what to do, especially in bed or whatever, then now we're doing feminism wrong or, you know, something. And then for men kind of similar, like, okay, you need to be like really sensitive and like, don't be um, intimidating, but then we'll 
isn't there kind of an essential masculine quality of maybe not aggression, but assertiveness and power and strength. And so nobody can win really in this, in this particular culture, but I also feel like things are moving in the right direction. Something's optimizing and we're just kind of in the process of it. But anyways, I encourage women to just go towards what they want. You know, if women are like, yeah, I really want a deep committed relationship, go for that. You don't have to experiment with other things just because they're out there, but maybe you do. Maybe your conditioning is like, you need to just find one man and stick to him forever, but you kind of want to date four people at the same time or find your guy and have some wild extracurricular fun along with it or whatever. So this isn't really concrete, but I really want to start by saying women allowing themselves to just be drawn to what they want versus what they should. Mm. Yes. And I think like when I hear that as well, like go to what you're drawn towards and then the, the piece of versus what you are, you think you're supposed to do for whatever the reason is. But if you really go towards the things thing that you're drawn to and allow yourself to receive that, give that to yourself. There's, I'm, I, I think about like someone who really in their mind, they want to have a long-term relationship, but they get into a relationship with someone and they're like, and I, I'm, maybe I ask them and I'm just making this up, but like, maybe I ask this metaphorical person, um, so like, how is it? How are you? Well, we just, we don't want labels and they, we, you know, we're, we're just going to like, see how it goes. I'm like, but I thought you wanted a relationship. So you're with someone that is giving you this already. We don't know where we are. We're taking it slow. We're just going to see how it goes. That's mm. not the thing that you want. So you're dabbling in an area that you don't want, but then might also get really hurt when this doesn't go the way that you ultimately do want it to go, but you're not standing for that thing. Yeah, that's a very common situation. And I think it depends on where it's coming from. So like in your scenario, um, if the woman's in the situation and maybe it's the guy that's saying, Oh, let's not have labels or whatever. And she's going along with it. Then that's potentially an issue. So that's kind of maybe, I don't know if that's what you're getting at in your example, but then I also, if that's not what's happening, I encourage women to um, what I call qualify the guy, like decide what kind of relationship you want and qualify him, meaning you test the waters. You know, you don't necessarily sit down on the first date and say, okay, well, you know, are you open to being with me long-term and do you want to get married and have kids? Because that's another piece of our method is learning the skills and the stages of relationship. And like in the beginning of a relationship, it's like not really the time to do that. You want to have the skill of being casual, having fun, being light, like that's the fun of the dating phase. So I do encourage women to enjoy that. But at the same time, you know, there's like, you get a wiggle. If you get a wiggle that like, this is not going in the direction or the guy's not saying, yeah, I also want a long-term relationship. I don't know if it's with you yet. We just met, but like, I want that. You can qualify a guy. And if the guy says something like, you know, no, but you know, I want to like, I don't know, you know, then you can consider that a red flag for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. and then if you are having really good sex with him and you can just do that, do that. If you're like, you know what? No, like, you know, you're not going where I'm going. So 
thank you. And I'm going to move on. Yeah, for sure. And like a lot of those things might have expiration dates, but that's not like, if you can see that from the beginning and go, I'm just going to surrender into this for what it can provide me right now. It might be hot sex. It might be some kind of stability. It might be some sort of like reflection that I get you know, back to me. And then I can take that reflection and grow from it, which I don't know anybody that like really, some people might have that understanding and awareness, like, Oh, I'm going to go be in this like little relationship so I can figure out some blind spots, you know, so then I can go into maybe the next relationship. I don't know. I don't know if anybody thinks like that. I think like that sometimes. Well, I think one of the um, differences would be, is this person and are you, whoever you are, are, are you open to growing and developing is your relationship inside of a, you know, a context of growing and developing or not? Because there can be situations like our, our, I'll tell a story because it was our situation, you know, in the beginning of the relationship with Erwan, like I described, you know, I was sort of like early twenties having fun, like learning. I could date more guys than one was having amazing experiences with him. And then my like, blueprint, you know, my, Oh, how things should be kicked in like a month or two in. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy needs to commit to me right now. Like we're having sex. I know I want a long-term relationship. Like I got to change things. And then I show up at his house and like, I had been showing up to his house and we'd have these like wild sexual experiences, amazing conversations. And I'd go home and I like sat him down on the couch, like really serious. I'm like, so I think it's time now for us to have a commitment. So we need to have a talk really inspiring. And then he looked at me in like the cutest way. And he's like, uh, I'm like, I think we should just get into a relationship now. You know, it's been a month and he handled it so well. He was like, Alicia, I'm totally open to that with you. We just don't know yet. I think that would burn us out if we did that right now. Um, I, I would love to continue this. I think you're amazing. What do you think? We just kind of have fun for a little while longer and see how it goes. (laughs) And I was like, my brain was like, see how it goes. I don't do see how it goes. I do like, yeah, yeah." you're afraid of commitment. Exactly. I kind of tried that, (laughs) but like in that moment, that just wasn't, you know, I could feel the truth and I could feel my like attachment, which was very different than my long-term goal, you know? So I was like, all right, all right, I'm going to have fun. I'm just going to let go. And after a while, the tables turned, you know, then I'm like, all right, it's been like a year. So what's up? And then he had to deal with his, indeed, he had fears of commitment and vulnerability, but he was willing to deal with them because he was a person who wanted to grow and develop in relationships. So that is a big factor in if anybody's listening and they find themselves in these situations, is the person operating out of awareness or are they just not? Yeah, for sure. And I like, I think back on Jordan and I's relationship, because when we first got together, we very much were qualifying each other because we'd just gotten out of relationships where we went in and we actually more or less got what we said we wanted out of those relationships. And then I always talk about it like, like an agreement to go into a relationship where both parties are like, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be like this. And then it comes to that pivotal moment where someone wants more than what was described. And then the other person is not necessarily willing to give. And then the relationship as a whole is being risked 
you know, mm-hmm. to even have those conversations. Um, because the one, maybe let's say the person who wants it the most, I'll just speak for myself. I was in a relationship with someone where it's like, yeah, this is totally casual. You live in a different location. This is exactly what I want now. I don't want a long-term relationship. I was telling myself all of those things in hindsight and post psychedelics. I was like, Oh, you're afraid. You know, like I like went in intentionally, like what's, what's here for me. I was like, Oh, you were afraid to actually stand for these things that you wanted. So I would put myself in the positions where, oh, this person is literally hundreds of miles away away, so that I could put space so that I could like control my environment. I could have that space and all of that. And then when it got to a place where we were just like, he, he was like, yeah, down for like, you know, weekend trysts and just consistent flirting long-term. And it was really, we got really close and I was like, oh my gosh, my heart is starting to expand. And I actually want to bring this person in. And I was so beside myself. And then I eventually got to a place where I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I was so devastating and it was so filled with grief because if I wouldn't have gotten to that place, I would have like really loved to ride that out. But it always had an expiration date to like to a degree because he, we were both showing up say, saying we wanted something. And I was like, fuck, when I bring this up and I bring this conversation up, it's going to go one of two ways. And it chances are it's going to go that one way. Mm-hmm. And, and I, so to risk like this beautiful thing that felt so good inside of my heart and my body that I hadn't felt in such a long time. I knew bringing it up was going to cause potentially the the collapse of the relationship. And it did. Mm-hmm. And I grieved like it had to have been attached to so much more than just that person. Because in that, I realized I actually do want these things. And I have not been allowing myself to say, I do want these things. And there, it would just, it, so many lessons. And he was so, I mean, we certainly could have handled it a little bit better, but like, generally speaking, I was, I am still super impressed with how that, how we un, how we parted ways and how we treated each other with such kindness and grace and, and all of that. And I got to spend some time with myself after, and then a little bit of a psychedelic. And then, and then I was starting to journal about like, what did I really what did I realize? And that was like, oh, I was avoiding these things for, for like fear. And in some ways, and like two weeks after that, I met my husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. That's quite a story. And it really is a testament to being oriented towards growing and developing in relationship because even heartbreaks or not that you made a mistake, but when we make mistakes or what, you know, all of this can be a way to look at ourselves. And sometimes we can sarcastically be like, great, another growth opportunity. I don't want that, you know, but it it really is a great way. And it opened you up to know what you want. And then there he was, Jordan showed up. Yeah. I'm like heaving in the fetal (laughs) position in the kitchen on the floor. Right. And I'm like, great, more growth. God (laughs) damn it. You know, Um, when does it stop? So, so Jordan had his own experience uh, that's happening more or less at the same time where he finally winds up with the courage to share with someone that he'd actually like to be in a relationship with them. And they, and too much time had gone by in between them having a connection and him voicing it, that she'd moved on to another person. And so he got to oh. have this delivered to him, like you weren't showing up. And so I moved on. And so it literally, I'm like fetal position. He's like, Holy shit. And he like declared that he like asked this of her publicly at a retreat in a retreat scenario and got shut oh, down no. in public. Oh, oh, no. And so we're Ow. like, these things are happening simultaneously. And then we, he sees me online. We were like, 
face Facebook connection and he sees me online and then reaches out to me and we both had just come from these experiences and we're like, hey, I don't know if you were like the person that I'm gonna go into, you know, frolic into fantasy land with together forever. But I'm surely going to qualify you to use your words. Like, I'm going to qualify you to see, like, is this, is this, like, we both went, we both came into the relationship going, we want long-term sincere relationships. And Mm. with an openness of like, I don't know if it's you, but I'm going to treat you like you might be. And so I'm going to be with you. I'm going to learn about you. And in a lot of ways, I feel like we might've reverse engineer it because reverse engineer (laughs) this relationship thing, because previously it's a game. And we're like, we're burnt out from the game, so to speak. So let's try to do this in a little bit of a different way. And I'm, it worked out. It, what we did is probably not going to work for everybody, but there's mm-hmm. some elements that I think um, like might work a whole lot more than, you know, air quotes here, like playing the game. So mm-hmm. looping this back, back around to um, some of what I really want to hear from you is like the stages of the relationship, because I feel like when, you know, when I'm describing this guy that I was with in this other place, like we were in a very particular stage and then like where Jordan and I are, like, I'm curious in your framework, like, where are we now? And like, what do I get to learn from? And so I'd love like those stages. You said the dating stage. So I'm sure that there's, it progresses mm-hmm. from there. It does. And I love your story because it has so many of the elements of what you're asking about. It's a really great story. And um, so Erwan and I, because we know that most of us, as we've been talking about, we didn't get all of the lessons that we need (laughs) growing up on how to have a successful, thriving, turn on relationship, you know, one that's actually has that juice and that passion um, past the first month or year. And we created a roadmap and it's the stages of relationship and the skills that are necessary to have each stage thrive. So I'll lay them out. And the first thing I'll say though, is that when you're in a long-term relationship, like you are, it doesn't mean that you would leave the first stage skills or the second stage skills behind. So like for people listening, if you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm in a relationship, so I don't need to listen to this dating part. Listen, you know, think again. And the kind of pre getting into the stages, we call it seduction. And that's where you go from not knowing the person or maybe being friends to like getting into something romantic. And the main skill is flirting. So there's a lot to be said for flirting and there's ways to kind of do that. Um, Not strategically, but do it at a gradient that actually um, works because all of us have fear of rejection, right? So like if you're a single person and let's say you're at like a house uh, holiday party or something and you see someone cute across the room, you know, to walk right up to them and be like, hi, can I get you a drink? I mean, you're putting yourself and your whole heart on the line. Like what if they say no? What if their partner's in the bathroom? Like what if... So flirting is like playfully giving and taking and turning the person on with like little micro gestures, you know, starting out being like, hi, how's it going? And if the person responds with excited, oh, hey, you know, okay, good. We made it that far. Now let me compliment her earrings and see if she likes that. There's a lot to that, but we don't have a lot of time. So, but flirting. Then you get into this first stage, which most people call dating. Erwan and I like to call it um, new and exciting because that's what it is. And there's certain skills that are necessary, which include 
knowing how to have fun. <laughs> like I learned, you know, in the beginning of Erewhon, um, just hang loose, have fun, do fun things, go out like ice skating or rock climbing or whatever for your dates, turning the person on. So knowing how to deliberately turn yourself on and interact with the other person in a way that turns them on. Like you wouldn't bring up a totally chargy political issue on your first date. You'd probably want to talk about, you know, that like amazing sunset you saw on your run or like the sexy movie or the art on the wall or whatever. And then the third is um, finding out what she wants. So this is a skill for both the man and the woman, you know, the woman really being attuned, like, I really want to go to sushi. I'm going to have him take me to sushi instead of, I don't care. You pick the restaurant, you know, and the guy tuning into that. The second stage is, so the first stage is marked by like fun. You know, you really want to have that down. The second stage, which we call best friends and lovers, which is normally known as, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, or going steady. Um, It's marked by vulnerability. So you want to carry in all of those yummy flirting light skills, but then also learn the skills of communication, honesty, what we call lifestyle design, which is starting to consider the time and the space of your relationship. Like how much time are you spending together? People tend to kind of um, lose it at this point because it's like you've been together. The novelty has worn off. So now you go back to work (laughs) and not prioritizing each other as much. And then the third skill is sex education, which is not the seventh grade sex education, but it's Again, because the novelty is often worn off by this time and the chemistry has gone down, there's skills to learn how to create chemistry and giving and receiving touch and extended orgasm. So it's good to learn those in this stage. And the third stage, which normally is something like marriage for a lot of people or the soulmate relationship or the person long-term you're going to be with, we like to call that the eternal date that's our name for this type of relationship. It's like you're, it's eternal. It's got a spiritual forever eternal quality, but it's a date still. (laughs) It's sexy and it's fun. And the skills include commitment, like really knowing how to commit versus having a foot out the back door and learning how to experience commitment as freedom, you know, instead of ball and chain, all of those other things. Then there's cherishing learning how to cherish the person, like a fine wine, you know, sometimes it's like not till they're gone. that you are like, damn, they were really cool. Realize that in the relationship. (laughs) And then there's sexual expertise, which is, you know, really um, being able to count on yourselves to keep developing your sexual relationship. A lot of times people then, you know, they have kids and they get houses and they have their jobs and health issues and family and sex can just disappear or at least go on the back burner. So you have the skill to keep it alive during these times. So that was like a really like nutshell overview, but those are the skills that we teach people. I want to, I'm going to get off of this podcast. I'm going to go find (laughs) Jordan. I want to be like, I love you eternally. Yes. And just like put my hands on his face and go, I cherish you Mm -hmm. right now. Exactly as you are before, you know, like, like in, as you are right now in our relationship today. And of course, and then into the future as well. But like, yeah, Mm. just as you're speaking, I'm like, it's, it's (laughs) so great and yummy. And I love that eternal date too. 
Yes. You know, there's so many things that I haven't considered, um, in, in life and in relationship because I haven't, I've never done this before as far as like getting into a relationship that then led to marriage. And now, you know, being newlyweds going into our first year together. I mean, yes, this is the work that I do too, but I primarily teach sex education. I primarily Mm -hmm. teach the components of having great sex and communication and knowing what you want and figuring out how to talk about it and, and get Mm. it and all of that. And just cool. Like you don't have to be in a marriage in order. Like for me, I'm just like, Oh yeah, it doesn't really matter what my relationship status is. It doesn't really matter. Like what I have going on this is about, it's about sex. And so I've always felt like continue my journey on like growing in as a sexual creature and, Mm. and learning and walking the talk as much as I possibly can in that regard. And then when things really heated up for me in life was like lots of relationship stuff. And I was communicating and growing in that area even more. I'm just like, now this is really turning into my work too. And it's, it's cool to see all the ways that I am doing it. Right. And it's really cool to hear like a few of like, Oh, I double click on that one in my life Uh a little bit more and maybe even write about it or talk about it. Because if I write about it or talk about it, then it's going to start getting like really ingrained. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's super cool. So I love the framework. So like how well, we really mostly talked about the the dating part of it already. So let's shift to like the long term. Let me go to like where I haven't touched just uh-huh. yet, like personally haven't touched just yet. How would you say, and I'm going to phrase this in a pretty generic way because I think it will resonate for a lot of people as far as something that they're curious about is how can you keep the curiosity and the chemistry in a long-term relationship? You know, I typically use the the term of like, that I use the frame of it's something that you put effort into and you prioritize. Um, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what else is there for me from someone who's been in it? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, and you're absolutely right about that. You know, prioritizing it is one of the first steps to say, Hey, this matters. You know, we're going to do this because a lot of couples, um, usually it's unconscious. You know, you don't make a conscious decision to stop paying attention to your sex life, but it just happens. And then the more time that goes by, the harder it is to get back. And you sort of think like, well, I know this person so well, we're married or we have kids together. Maybe there is a lot of intimacy on on a lot of levels, but like, it's so funny how awkward it can get, (laughs) you know, the further away you get from it. And so saying this matters and we're going to devote time and space and energy to this is really powerful. And couples often want to know, like, well, what do you, do, you know, what, like, what do you actually do? Because chemistry in a long-term relationship is totally accessible. There's nothing wrong with your body. I want to say that because people often are like, oh, I just don't feel chemistry anymore. Um, with my partner, it's not there. Or like women after they have babies often are like, oh, I just don't feel my libido is not here or, or whatever, which is all very valid that we have these experiences, but there's nothing wrong with the body. And when you put your two bodies together, minus, um, all of that mind stuff that can go on, um, they work properly. So the name of the game is, um, having time and space and practices to do, to, um, keep the chemistry rolling. And we have, we have four practices that we train all of our students in and I'll focus on two of them mainly on one of them. Okay. Because it would take too long to go through all of them. So the practices, I'll list them. The first one's meditation. The second one is something we call psychological inquiry. 
The third one is body practice. The fourth one is sensual practice. I'll touch on the psychological inquiry, which is basically that the couple has time and space devoted to talking, you know, like not logistics, but inquiring into your own experience and how you're feeling about the relationship and otherwise. That's all I'll say about that for time's sake, but that's a good practice. Now there's sensual practice. A lot of couples find when the chemistry isn't what they want it to be that like, it's kind of hard to go from zero to like hopping in and having intercourse or something. And then it kind of gets avoided. So Erwan and I have designed a set of 12 touching practices that couples can do. And they range from total like non-sexual touching, like one person's lying down, both are clothed, the other person sitting up by their side. They have their hands on the person's heart and abdomen that's laying down and you're listening to some nice new age music and just breathing. And like, that's it. That's deep touch. Um, you can swap back and forth and then it goes all the way down the spectrum. I mean, there's the clothed sensual touch, then it can get more sensual. It can go all the way to clitoral stroking or extended orgasm technique that we teach. But the point is, is when you engage sensually in some way regularly, like ideally every day, even if it's for 20 minutes, that will start to help build the chemistry. Our bodies work perfectly. It's our minds and distraction and, and, and other things. There's a handful of other things that affect our libido, but so I'll stop there to see if what questions you have. So good. Yeah. I think that all of my listeners, if we got to the end of our recording and they were like, she didn't ask about the extended orgasm. Like, I feel like there would be rebellion. <laughs> like, yeah. like boycott the show. They, she yes. didn't ask. The person said, Alicia said extended orgasm <laughs> seven times. And Alexa didn't ask about it once. So I'm not doing that to avoid everyone burning the podcast to the ground. Yes. I need to know what this is. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm glad you're asking because it's really important. Um, so in my experience with Erewhon and with the people we work with, it is the cornerstone of an amazing sex life and anybody can do it. So Pete, I'll describe it. Singles can do it with themselves or with, you know, with their part, with people they're dating. Couples can do it with each other. It's a clitoral stroking technique. That's what it is. It can be translated to the male anatomy as well. And what I mean by extended orgasm, and this is a whole other topic, but I'll just kind of boil it down is that there's orgasm, what we normally know as orgasm, which is great. You know, it's, um, a climax. We call it a traditional peak orgasm where there's like a, you're going along, then there's a buildup, you know, there's more excitement, more intensity. And then at a certain point, you like, yes. And you kind of pop over that edge and you're involuntarily contracting and there's that release and pleasure and it's super yummy. And it lasts however long, maybe 10 ish seconds or something. Traditional peak orgasm climax, right? So our bodies have the ability to not only have that kind of orgasm, but to be in a state of orgasm. Like those 
things that are happening in our body, like the involuntary contractions, the immense pleasure, the sense of release. Then there's a bunch of other clinical signs like increased heart rate and light sheen of perspiration and flushing of the erectile tissue. And there's all this we can actually like, yes, talk dirty. <laughs> yes. Yes. We have the ability in our bodies to be in a state of that orgasm. If we are relaxed enough and aroused enough, then our bodies will involuntarily go into a state of that. So it's no longer like an occurrence that we sometimes have to have as a goal and we tense to get there and like, it feels really good, you know, but just for 10 seconds, we can actually just be in that state. It, it, it moves away from the goal orientation and into the pleasure orientation. And it's a really amazing skill, you know, for a man to learn how to pleasure a woman to, to have that experience for a woman to learn how to let go into that, um, which involves a lot, you know, with our minds and our psychology, as well as actually the technique. Yeah. That's like in a nutshell, what it is. Yeah. <laughs> Great yeah. practice. And on triple underline the word practice. Yes. It's, which is like, like a meditation practice or a yoga practice extended orgasm practice. It's something that you continuously revisit, I would imagine, because there's, I'm sure it it like, for me, I learned how to orgasm when I was very young, you Mm -hmm. know, I was like four or five years old in the bathtub. And Mm. so that, and then as I grew up, I went to Catholic school and it was when I was in maybe, like you said, seventh grade was younger than that. I had to have been maybe 11 or 12, when I realized like, oh, this thing that you were doing is actually a sin. That's not good. That's bad. That's Uh wrong. These are private parts. So I like most, I would say like, not, I'll just say like a lot of women learned that touching yourself is bad and it's dirty and it's wrong and it's naughty and all those things. And if I were ever going to do it, then I needed to be very quiet. I needed to tense up. I needed to have no one feel my energy even from, and of course I wouldn't have pieced this together as like a little kid, but like no one can even feel my energy of this to alert them that I might be touching myself in some way. So I have to be quiet. I have to hold my breath. I have to close my eyes, to bear down, make it happen fast. So I can get to the other side because I'm in the clear. Mm. Wow. It's a very vivid description. Yeah. So what you're describing is the literal opposite. Yes. Of that. It is very tantric. I would imagine like lots Mm -hmm. of breath, sound, movement, Oban is like, we've got time, we've got space, there's deep presence, there's an intention, all of those things. And it is the, it is so different, you know, to what I just like experienced. And so I imagine that if anyone else who's listening that had a similar relationship with their bodies and orgasm, like I did, and, and at times I still feel myself in that place. Um, so I actually, I'll be in the house by my damn self. And I'm like, why aren't you making sounds? It's a practice because Mm -hmm. even, you know, it took me however many years, 20 some odd years before I started doing this work, I built that habit and those patterns for 20 some odd years before I went, I'm going to do this differently. And it wasn't just like a, aha, now I do different. It was a, fuck, that's difficult. That's Mm -hmm. hard. Or I'm going to get to a certain point and then it's going to get uncomfortable. Then I'm going to back off and then I'm going to go back to it. And so it's, it's really just continuing to show up for it, knowing that it's possible and it might look like a few steps forward and a few steps back, but then eventually it's like, oh, that's maybe you even just barely touch 
where the extended orgasm can bring you. And it's like, oh, but at least now I have some proof that like I can, I too can go to the cosmos of sorts yeah. and yes. then continuously revisiting it until you're very familiar with the address. Uh-huh. You just go up. Yes. You don't even ring the doorbell anymore. You just walk right in. I have arrived. Yes. It's very transformative. And from what you shared, it sounds like, yes, I mean, you're, you're, you're proof of that, you know, that it's most of us have had some adverse experiences around our sexuality. If not, if only, if not only, however I say that just the messages in the culture, you know, let alone, you know, religious or difficult experiences. So it's, it's transformative. Um, and also a lot of women feel like, okay, my orgasm is supposed to look some way. Like so many women come to us. It's like, they're like, Oh, I have never had an orgasm or I don't know if I have. And I'm really big on acknowledging what's there. Like, Ooh, you felt a tingle. Yeah. You know, that's say, Yeah. <laughs> feel that celebrate that. That's good. You know, it doesn't need to look like ejaculation. Um, so there's a lot. There's a lot in there. So much. And I'm looking and we've already been talking for an hour and like we have just barely <laughs> scratched the surface on this whole relationship. How do, how do you have, and I think I'll just like round it out with really the, and you even asked me before we, we got on the show, you're like, how long should I plan for this thing? I'm like, we usually don't even go up to, a, you know, we get to about an hour and we've officially crossed the threshold by half a minute already. So, um, so there's always so much more like these topics and these conversations are so much deeper in my my goal and my hope is that people listen to these things. And if they are so curious about like the, the stages of relationship or the pleasure course or like how, like the, the, even the sitting and touching techniques, cause everybody who's listening is at a different place and they're going to be, you know, a part of an hour long conversation. There's like maybe one or two nuggets that really resonate. Like, Oh, I felt that, that either maybe it validated or it inspired and curious, or maybe it even triggered them to some level where they're like, they feel sensation in their body. And like, maybe it's, maybe they could label it shame or something like that. So my invitation is if any of that came up, these are all clues. Your body's giving you clues at areas that you can delve deeper in and grow. Um, so I really want to kind of bring it back to having a really awesome relationship in sex life, whether you are single, uh, and dating, you know, and wanting to do it maybe a little bit differently going into 22 or 2022. Um, or you are, you know, listening here and they are, um, you know, in a long-term relationship or maybe even newlyweds like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how last little piece that you'd like to share on like how we can really look at this year ahead and have the relationship that, that we maybe see is possible for others. I would love for some people to take a little ownership here and like claim it a little. So let's just say the relationship that they desire deep down. Yeah. I, my, uh, I would say engage engage, just engage in it somehow. You know, nobody conquers Rome in a day to say that saying, but if you're like, Oh, I, you know, I want to have an even better relationship life in 2022 engage, you know, maybe that means, um, making a date with your girlfriends to, or your guy friends, whatever, to like go to that party that you weren't sure. And like dress in a way that you feel cute. And like, you're going to go flirt it up and like, do it, take the action. You know, if you're in a relationship, just start by like showing your partner this podcast episode and ask them what they think or like say, Hey, let's have a date night. We haven't had one in a few months and I miss us or just take a step, engage in something. That is what I would say. I love that. And you know, we're right around the time where people are, they're landing on their word for the year. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. engage as a word. You know, yes. It's a sexier participate. Uh-huh. Exactly. Really, 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 really. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> Alicia, thank you so much for coming onto the show. I, I really appreciate the way that you share your story. Um, I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty imaginative creature. Jordan, he, it's funny because he oftentimes will say he doesn't really think that he has that much imagination, but he feels very creative. And I'm like, oh, I'm all in fantasy land. I'm like creating stories. I've got other worlds and all of that. And so I really appreciate um, how you share your story because I felt very like, oh, I'm sitting, I'm sitting right next to you. I'm like mm. at one of your workshops or I'm like at the first one that you went to. And um, that just definitely fuels me in a unique way. And it's interesting that I'm sharing that because um, it's definitely a compliment that I am I'm like, don't hoard that compliment is like, I really appreciate the way that you share. And it's not that other guests mm -hmm. come onto the show and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at what's the next question or the next topic that we're going to get into where I'm like really fully immersed in their story. And so I appreciate the way that you share. Mm, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. And again, thank you for coming onto the show. I'm sure that there's so many nuggets here. So y'all that are listening, anything that you want to double click on, find Alicia, find Erewhon, um, check out the work that they do. Uh, if there was anything in particular that like really stood out, I'm sure that y'all are available for questions and connection. And, um, and if there's anything that I said, or I shared that you want a little bit more information on, of course, reach out to me. Y'all know where to find me on, on Instagram. Where can they find you, Alicia? So the best way to find out more about our working with us, there's two ways. One is if you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, I really want to ask more questions or I want to inquire, I'm offering a free love life consultation to anybody listening that feels like they want to learn more. It's a chat with me and you it can be over zoom. It's totally confidential. We'll get personal. You can ask me anything you want and I'll coach you a little bit. And if it looks like we can support you, I'll let you know about our different classes and stuff. And the way to set that up, you can either text our school, which is 415-308-9580. And then I'll also give you a link if people just prefer to click a link and fill out a form. So that's one way. And if you're kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready for that yet, but I want to check out your website, <laughs> you can go to pleasurecourse.com. Mm, juicy. Thank yeah. you again. I appreciate you. And of course, the work that you do in the world, it is so needed and it just warms my heart, fills me with just so much like joy and purpose and all of that is that there's um, other people in the world that are that are just as inspired and on purpose with this message and this mission. And I really, um, yeah, I love getting to meet people in our space and seeing like, Oh, the work is being done, which is so mm. transformative. Um, mm. and so hopeful and inspiring. So again, thank you. Mm, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.